Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along with us today as we get in the Word of God, talk about and pray about it. And we've been talking about some of my favorite spots in Israel. I visit, I've begun to go there annually. And consider this, if you watch this, my invitation to you, if you'd like to join our tour. I believe it is a trip of a lifetime. I found people of all ages come, some senior seasoned citizens come, and some younger people have been coming. We've we've had uh, teenagers on the trip. I think the youngest has been like a nine or 10-year-old, so had families and so on. So I would invite you to come. It's a wonderful time. And if you want more information, check out my website, tomthepreacher.com. Click the Israel icon up in the top right. You can find more information there. So we've been going through my favorite places, and today we're getting really to the best places. There are so many wonderful spots in Israel, and different things touch different people. But the Garden of Gethsemane always is a very, very meaningful place to go. It's a very touching place. It's a serene place, very quiet now. We think of going there and spending a bit of time in prayer, and we often allow that time for some some we, we teach and talk, but we then break up and allow people the opportunity to have some time of prayer. And uh, we are reminded what went on there. And believe me, back then it was anything but quiet and serene. Gethsemane means wine press. It's made of olive trees, and the trees would be pressed in a wine in an olive press. But it reminds you of how Jesus himself was pressed. His soul was pressed there, pressed to the place where it says he agonized, and he even in his prayers, his sweat turned like drops of blood. That's not just a silent little quiet prayer. That's agony of soul, crying out to God. That's pouring yourself out to the Lord. Let's read what went on here in Gethsemane. Then Jesus came to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Now, of course, this is right after the Last Supper. They'd been in the upper room. It had probably about a 15-minute walk from the upper room over to the Garden of Gethsemane. In the upper room, he'd obviously broken the bread, the bread and the cup, the Passover meal, and he showed them the new significance that it would be the bread, his body, the blood, or excuse me, the, the cup, a reminder of the blood that would be shed for us. He washed their feet, and he served them on this last night, because even here at the end, they were struggling with who's going to be first. And he washed their feet and showed them what true leadership was supposed to be like, that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he brought with him the disciples to this quiet garden, and he went there to pray, and he poured out his heart. And what did they do? They fell asleep. They fell asleep. He went a little beyond them, and he pre- f- fell on his face, praying, saying, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And yet then he came back, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now this happened, this happened three times. Isn't it interesting that in this 
Garden of Gethsemane, three times they fell asleep, and he warned them, keep praying. You're about to enter temptation. This is a tough night. You don't realize the significance of what's going on. If you did, you wouldn't be falling asleep. Three times. Shortly thereafter, three times, Peter was going to deny the Lord and deny that he even knew him before the cock crowed. But Jesus, the thing that gets me, there was a battle going on here. There was an intense battle. When Jesus prayed, Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. We've talked about this before in a previous daily word and prayer time. When the cup is the cup of the wrath of God. And I do believe that Jesus, he knew he was going to be crucified. He knew it would be painful. He knew he was going to be whipped. He knew he was going to be nailed to that cross. He knew all of that physical torment and pain and torture would come upon him. But personally, I think what really was on his heart, what really was was grieving to him, what really was the battle, was he was going to have to drink the cup of the wrath of God. He was going to have to suffer and die for the sins of the world. The, the guilt of all of humanity throughout all of the ages was going to be laid upon him. And the wrath of judgment of God would come upon him. Indeed, people talk, you know, sometimes you know, they talk about the God of the Old Testament, the God of wrath, anger, the God of the New Testament, a nice, sweet God. Well, the truth is, the greatest act of God's wrath in the entire Bible was not the flood or Sodom and Gomorrah or any other judgment in the Old Testament, or wasn't even the book upcoming when the book of Revelation. The greatest act of the wrath and judgment of God was the cross where Jesus Christ died for our sins. And dare I say, it was also the greatest act of mercy, kindness, and forgiveness. Both of them came together in Christ. The two, the, we see the character of God, the justice of God in judging sin, the love and mercy of God to forgive our sin, all seen upon the cross. But this was no small thing Jesus was going to go through. It's easy for us to think that way. We see it from today where we realize, well, okay, after he died, three days later, rose from the dead. And we think, you know, it, we, we can minimize what went on there. Believe me, don't minimize it. It was the greatest act of judgment. It was the greatest suffering because it was bearing the wrath and judgment of God. It was separation from God. And Jesus, it was an act of faith. Yes, I believe Jesus knew he was going to rise from the dead, but he knew it by faith. He'd not done it yet. He was going to the cross, and he was going to have to die and believe that he would rise again from the dead. I believe this was perhaps the greatest spiritual battle that occurred in the history of the world. Now, we could also say maybe it was the temptation of Jesus, the three temptations when he was out in the wilderness to begin his ministry. Okay. But I also do believe right here in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was doing spiritual battle. The devil was trying to uh, oppose him. I think his, you know, he was tempted to not want to go through with it. He was, it was a real temptation. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. Possible for what? Possible for possible for you and I to be saved. Without the death of Christ, he's saying, Lord, if, if they can be saved without me going through this, please let it happen. Lord, if if I can, if I don't have to do this, please don't make it happen. And yet, not as I will, but as your will. And we see here the ultimate spiritual battle. 
And we see here also the ultimate submission to the will of God. Now what's interesting that I I like to remember here is that when Jesus did this, he did it alone. You know, I've had people stand with me in some of the big spiritual battles I've had, but some I've had to face alone. You maybe have the blessing of having people who can stand with you. If you do have people who will support you and encourage you, pray for you, uphold you in your spiritual battles, that's a blessing. But you know what? Jesus had to go through these alone. The men he counted on to be there with him and to pray for him in this hour of need, they fell asleep. Soon after, they would flee. And even though they declared their loyalty, I'll never deny you, they did. And not only that, but soon, Jesus knew it. He was going to be betrayed, stabbed in the back by Judas. Six times here in the, in the book of Matthew, it refers to him as the betrayer. Wow, how would you like that to be how you're known? The betrayer. He betrayed Jesus. If you've ever been betrayed, you know there's few emotions and feelings that are more painful than someone that you, he just washed Peter's, uh, he just washed Judas's feet about two hours earlier. There's few things in life more painful than being betrayed by someone you've served and cared for. Jesus went through this spiritual struggle and battle alone, and he did it for us. When we go to the Garden of Gethsemane, I sense that. We are reminded of what he suffered. We're reminded of what he went through for us, and it places a new perspective on our suffering. My wife shares the story, and she shared this when we were in Gethsemane a few years ago. She shared with our team that she had gone through some serious illness a number of years ago. And it got to that place where you're wondering, God, do you care? Am I ever going to get better? She came to the place of resignation that maybe this is it. I'm going to pass away. Won't see, be there to, you know, to see the rest of my life, my children grow up, and so on. It was a difficult time. And one of the things God showed her is she changed the perspective from God do you do you see what I'm going through do you care to understanding that some of her suffering was that she might understand what Jesus went through that's what Paul says in Philippians 3 isn't it not that he aspired to know the fellowship of Christ's suffering and brothers and sisters sometimes when we're going through difficult times and we're suffering we need to change the narrative from saying, God, do you understand what I'm going through? Of course he does. He's God. But maybe we're going through some of this so we might understand what he went through in order to save us. We have a wonderful Savior. We have a wonderful faith. We have a wonderful God. We have a wonderful religion. When we are there in the Garden of Gethsemane and we're reminded at that spot, you know, within maybe a, couple hundred feet of this very place. Jesus prayed, and he fought that spiritual battle, and he prevailed. He could have turned back. It was a dark night. He knew it was coming. He could have fled. He could have run. He could have blended in. He could have gotten out of Jerusalem, but he didn't. He knew what, he, he knew what laid before him, and he, and he steadfastly went forward with it. And those next several hours in his life, The next 24 hours would be 
the most, maybe the, the most difficult 24 hours a person's ever gone through. He did that for you and me. We praise him and we're grateful. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that on the cross you paid for our sins, but we thank you before the cross. When you had the chance to turn back, when you were tempted to and you cried out, Father, is it possible? You didn't. You persevered. You went forward. You embraced the Father's will for you and you offered yourself for us. Jesus, we confess to you, we desire, we long to understand in a deeper way what that was because we confess our understanding of those moments, of that, those last hours. It's so shallow. It's so shallow what you did for us. We've come to, we've heard about it so often. We celebrate it every year and many of us we celebrate it in church every week or two or three weeks. We celebrate and remember the death of Christ. It's so easy to take it for granted and not let it move us the way it must. We pray, O oh Father, for a deeper awareness of what your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, did for us when he, when he finished the course, when he said, not my will, but thine be done. And might it motivate and inspire us, whatever course you have for us, whatever path you have, even if it involves suffering on our behalf, that we too might walk that course and that path with you. We bless you and we love you. We thank you for this life you've called us to. It is the life of truth, of goodness, of mercy, of, of victory. And we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, I'm, I'm always very motivated when I read this section and think of the Garden of Gethsemane. And I'm glad to be able to share it with you. I'm actually here every day. If you're new today, um, thanks for coming. I hope you will subscribe, hit the notify button. I hope you'll come back every day. I ask you to make a commitment to get into the Word of God every day. On your own, or, or I'm here to help you and join and teach, inspire you, encourage you, uplift and edify you. I encourage you to be a part of this. But whether you are or not, get in the Word every day. Don't be a just a, when you feel like a Christian. Be an everyday Christian. Learn how to fill your soul and feed your soul with the Word of God every day. That's why we come here, and that's why I invite you to join us back. If you're here regularly, God bless you. I love you guys. So glad to have you with me. So until we meet tomorrow, and we'll be back tomorrow live, 830, or you can watch later, or, or you can listen to the podcast on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. Until we meet tomorrow, might the Lord bless you, strengthen you, keep you, help you know our Lord Jesus Christ in a deeper and deeper way. I love you guys. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.